Hey, good morning, good morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for tuning in and listening from your car. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to say something. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got a couple announcements for you, and uh, we'll get it rolling. Um, next week, um, instead of church service being at its regular time, um, we're going to be doing a barbecue out in the parking lot. Um, yeah, woohoo! It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people are coming. Um, just everybody is like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna be there." So um, show up. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And then also um, invite your friends or people that are close to you because we um, want to see them there too and uh, have everybody just eating and having a good time together. Also during that, um, we have uh, kids programming in the form of pizza and a movie. Um, so they're going to have a lot of fun, too. So um, there is going to be kids' program. It's going to be downstairs. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah, if you'd like to help, like fill out your communication card um, to help set up or tear down um, or any other uh, way that you can help, fill out your uh, communication card, um, and we can reach out to you. And then we can go to the next announcement, which I think is soccer club. Yes, yes it is. Um, there's a couple more woos. There we go. Um, yes, it's July, so that means um, soccer camp is next month um, from the 8th to the 12th. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's so many kids registered. I don't even know the number at this point, um, but it, it is, it's going to be happening, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you'd like to um, help out volunteer in some sort of way, again, you could do that by filling out your Communication card, yes. Um, and um, so, yeah. And then I think the next one is communication card. Wow, Tony's helping me out. He's got like the cards. <laughs> He's got the cards. He's like, keep it on track. Um, yeah, communication card. It's at um, brookviewchurch.com. Um, um, if you haven't filled one out before, please do. Uh, we love to hear from you. Um, and um, if you have, um, you know it's also a way um, for prayer requests or just for us to get to connect to you. Um, and we really value that. So we want you to fill those out, um, whether you've been here for a long time or first time. And then my last thing that I have is a little ministry spotlight. Um, a couple of months ago, we kind of made a little bit of announcement that we're starting up a grounds crew here at the church. And I just wanted to give them like a huge highlight shout out um, because I, if you guys haven't, like, drove past the church before, like, you can even see, like, at the sign, it used to be, like, bushes kind of covering the sign. You couldn't really read it. There was, like, no lights. And now it is, like, looking super clean. And if you guys have been coming to church, you also have noticed that the grounds have been, like, pretty consistently, like, super nice. So, um, and it, it is, it has been uh, really cool that um, our outlook in the community as well, like, we're being really neighborly. Um, to our neighbors, and then for people driving by, like, it's a nice place. It looks clean. Um, it's not, like, haunted, you know, so <laughs> it's a good thing for that. And I just want to shout out um, Tim and Manette. They have been leading that um, team really well, um, and then also um, everybody who's a part of that team. They've been um, volunteering and putting a lot of hours um, consistently um, just to make uh, this a better place for all of us. So shout out to that team. Everybody give them a clap. <laughs> And then um, I'm just going to pray for the morning, and I'll invite Bryce to come on up, and then um, we'll get it going. So if you want to join me. Um, dear Father, um, I just thank you for this morning, and I just pray um, that as we 
you know, come here um, and empty our hearts and give it to you, that you just speak to us um, through Bryce and just fill us with your wisdom um, and your love this morning. Um, and God, uh, um, it is just so cool that we can uh, be here and worship together and then also, uh, you know, listen and, and really um, just soak in what you have for us. And, and God, I just, I just pray that everybody here, um, no matter what season of life that they're in, that um, they just feel your love and your presence this morning. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Good morning. It's good to, good to be with you again. I've been here a few times. Some of you may not know who I am. My name's Bryce McFadden. I'm from Smoky Point Community Church up north in the sticks of Arlington. You ever been up that way? Yeah, good. I... I love country. I grew up in Montana, and um, it's nice to be able to still see some livestock in the fields up that way. In fact, uh, yesterday, just riding my motorcycle through the through the farm lands outside of Sylvana, smelling the farm smells, just kind of a familiar thing, you know. But hey, it's so good to be with you, and and it's exciting to hear about your just your presence in the community and uh, reaching out and even fixing up the property and all that kind of thing. I was uh, reminded of a, f- a good buddy of mine used to live right around the corner uh, before this was ever Brookview, and he always referred to this church as the underground church. <laughs> so, so I'll tell him I'm speaking of Brookview, and he goes, oh, the underground church. <laughs> anyway, um, I hear really good things about Brookview, and obviously you uh, know firsthand uh, what kind of church you are going to and what you're doing in the community. So uh, God's, God's blessing on you. Right up there at Smoky Point, I run a ministry school. I've been a pastor for a number of years, uh, worked in youth and uh, was a lead pastor and then did pastoral care for a number of years. And uh, I'm no longer paid to care. So uh, <laughs> I uh, run the ministry school and it's so cool because this year, I can officially say we now have seniors, our first class of seniors. So that's an awesome thing, and it's been such a blessing. It's, it's so cool to teach. Uh, that's one of the things I do. I teach in the school, and it's so cool to finally read the textbooks that I never read when I was in college. So, um, but no, what a blessing to be able to build into the younger generation at Reach Training Institute. It's a ministry school. If you know of anybody that's interested in uh, getting a ministry degree and getting into ministry at an affordable cost and it's local, uh, I'd love to talk more. Just whoever that is. Right now, I even have uh, 10th and 11th graders that are interested in the school. And I have some solid prospects going on for those years coming up. So I'm really excited. It's, uh, it's so cool to be a part of that. It's always good to be here. I feel like I'm with friends. And even if we haven't met, I'm with friends. This is, I don't know, this is kind of my church too, you know? Yeah. And uh, you guys have been really sweet to me here. And I always look forward to coming here, whether I have something to say or not. (laughs) I'm praying that God speaks through me in ways that aren't me really today. Um, my desire is that you would hear from God, not just hear from me. And so um, I'm looking forward to what God has to say. Um, I, I think of this time of year, and I, I kind of decided I'd fit a message kind of with 
July 4th, we think of freedom, right? Um, if, if you're tapped in historically, there was a seven-year-long battle going on with the Revolutionary War, and we broke away from Great Britain, and we got the signing of the uh, Declaration of Independence. And uh, I'll leave the rest to your history books. But that's a historical take. And I'd say for most of us, when it comes to the 4th of July, we're looking at, okay, I don't have to go to work, uh, crank up the barbecue. Uh, if it's camping, this is, was a bad weekend for camping. Um, but then again, being outdoors is really nice anyway. Doesn't matter the weather. Um, but you've got your traditions. And uh, we enjoy those things and setting off a few fireworks and all that. But, you know, interesting, about 18 years ago, July 4th took on kind of a new, a new look for me uh, because it was the day my dad ended a long battle as he was in ICU for about six months, couldn't breathe on his own. He had been through a heart attack, and, and um, we were all hopeful in the recovery. And it was on July 4th, I had preached that morning, went to do a hospital visit, and after I was done with the hospital visit, I got a call from uh, back in Montana that my father had passed. And um, yeah, I miss him terribly, but he gained his freedom. He's no longer uh, in a human container that is corrupted by all the effects of living in a sinful world. Um, he's not struggling to breathe anymore. And uh, I'm so thankful for my father. I know that he's with the Lord. And um, that's part of my own story is I am so grateful for a father that loved Jesus and he shared his faith with me in word and in action. And I'd have to say my father is probably the greatest spiritual influence in my life. And uh, he has been uh, involved in probably most of the significant events of my life. I had the privilege of serving with him in ministry the first eight years of ministry, fresh out of Bible college, and I was his associate. And what a gift to me, because you know, when I was a teenager, maybe like you, I gave my parents a run for their money. <laughs> and, um, but being in ministry, serving with my dad, sharing the Lord together, sharing our love to see people come to Jesus and grow in him. Uh, was just a sweet thing to do with my own father. Uh, my mom is still alive. She's 94 years old, still lives in her own home, drives, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and the rest of the family, we kind of freak out at that a little bit. But um, she loves Jesus too, and she's probably my number one prayer support. And um, every time I'm coming here to Brookview, she's praying and praying for you as well. Um, sorry, get a little emotional, but um, that means a lot to me. Um, it was back in 1981, 21 years old, when I finally surrendered to Jesus. Uh, there had been a battle raging in me for years, and you know, to grow up in a home where the Bible was taught, and Jesus was taught, and the way to life was taught, um, you would think, it's all such a sweet deal. You would think as a child, I would just embrace it all. And yet, I was on my own program. I was stubborn, resistant, trying it on my own. And, you know, really, even back then as a child, I remember I, I felt like I had to get better before I would be acceptable to God. And you know how that works? <laughs> really, really good. 
uh-huh, yeah, for about two or three hours, you know? And then, and, and I finally realized, I can't do it. I can't, I can't be good enough. And um, it was so cool in October of 1981, some of you weren't even born yet, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus and ended that battle and if there was a huge message that really the Lord was sharing in me in that moment was just come as you are, just come as you are, I'll take care of the rest. And wow, uh, what a burden was lifted. I experienced his forgiveness. But even though one battle ended, I didn't realize that another battle would begin. Um, it was my father that prayed with this prodigal son as I surrendered to Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of my life. And I'd love to tell you from that day forward, all was smooth sailing. Uh, no more struggles, no more temptation, no more failures, no more sinful desires. Can you resonate with that in your own experience? I thought, I thought somehow surrendering to Jesus was going to make life easier. I thought that somehow um, my sinful desires would be disinfected and uh, I would be on this path of purity and holiness and man, it was supposed to get easier, wasn't it? And yet somehow I was much more desperately aware of my sin. I was so much more aware of my sinful desires and, and uh, my appetites and and something wasn't working. In fact, I called my father uh, about two weeks in. <laughs> I said, Dad, something didn't work. <laughs> Something's not working here. I still want to do wrong. <laughs> and my father began to explain some things. That's really going to be a part of what I'm explaining with you today. Uh, this is not a life that we live alone. He has given us, graciously given us, His Holy Spirit who lives within. And we can call it life in the Spirit, living in the victory of Jesus, or even living the impossible life that we can't live on our own, but only through the Holy Spirit. It was not ever meant to be a life that we just try harder and do better in order to live the way God wants us to live. We've been set free. We've been set free. And you know, I believe there are many today who are followers trying harder and working at it and winding up being very disappointed and discouraged. I'm going to highlight the fact that God's provided His Spirit. That's our power source for living and accomplishing what we can't do on our own. And He calls us to a life of recognition of His Holy Spirit. Surrender to His Holy Spirit and dependence upon Him. And so I'm going to talk about being set free from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26, 10 verses. And I want to look at the conflict, the conduct, and the cross. And as I was reviewing my notes this morning, I decided I don't really like my point number two. So I'll add the word contrast when I get to point two. I know a pastor shouldn't change his mind last minute, um, but... <laughs> You'll get what I mean when we go through it because I think it speaks more to contrast than it does necessarily just contrast uh, conduct. Um, as we look at our passage today, you know, it's like all the other letters of Paul. He actually writes in a very situational way. 
I mean, there are a lot of things that Paul could say to the churches. Some he had actually been to and planted. Others he had never visited, but he writes a letter anyway, like Colossians. I don't think he even planted that church. But they're situational in the sense that when he writes, yes, he's giving greetings and he's encouraging the church, but he's typically pointing out something that is going on that he needs to address for the sake of the church. And in Galatians, he's doing that very thing. Uh, apparently in that church, some false teachers had infiltrated the church and they were bringing a false gospel. Uh, the gospel, false gospel of legalism, Jesus plus. Yes, Jesus is there and, and he's died for us, but it's God's grace plus your work. And so they were merging works and grace together and Paul's saying, uh-uh, no, it's all by grace. It's all God's work. It's not your own effort. You want to go back to that stuff? <laughs> go ahead. But it's not going to be living in the grace of God nor in the will of God. So he challenges their thinking. They've been set free from following a set of rules and a works-based performance. They've been set free. Not set free so they can indulge in the sinful nature. You know, I was thinking back to when I got my driver's license. I don't know about you, but I was really excited to get my driver's license because that would mean I didn't have to rely on mom or dad to drive me around. I would finally be free. <laughs> and I could go wherever I wanted to, pretty much at any given time. Uh, so cool to be behind the wheel, legally out on the road, finally driving with all this freedom. But you know, that didn't mean I could drive anywhere I wanted to drive. You know, I still, I, I couldn't drive on the sidewalk. You know? So even, even with that freedom, there were still some boundaries within the freedom. And I think Paul's kind of representing that here. We have been set free to serve God, set free to love God and others through the indwelling spirit who lives within. Let's start with Galatians 5, verse 16, and it says this. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit, he says. He's encouraged us in a very practical way to make it our habit to intentionally and daily live in harmony with the Spirit. You know, when we're occupied with intentionally living for God, there is less opportunity to give way to the sinful desires. When our mind is set on the things of God, we are preoccupied with the things of the Spirit, and it's less likely to go in the direction of our sinful nature. Maybe I can share how this works by analogy. Um, I happen to be very fond of bakery items. <laughs> Anybody here? Yeah? I'll tell you what, you come up to Arlington, I can take you to any local store I shop at, and I could blindfold myself and sniff my way to the bakery. <laughs> I know exactly where it's located. I think it's so interesting that the bakery is located on the exact opposite side of the store as the vegetables. <laughs> I'm thankful that they aren't right next to each other. Because you know what? Chances are I wouldn't buy many veggies, you know? But let's say this. Oh, I, I blame it on my, my Norwegian grandmother. She could make some of the best cinnamon rolls. And uh, I think from a kid growing up, oh man, you know, I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> Maybe we can do a Uber Eats or something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Let's say that my fondness for bakery goods represents my sinful desires. Now, I can make my time at the store much more difficult. I can even say I'm not going to buy any pastries today, but I'm just going to go take a sniff. (laughs) You know, that's setting myself up for failure. It really is. I know this when I intentionally set my mind on broccoli and go to the vegetable side of the store, I am much less likely to get involved with the pastries. You will probably never catch me sniffing around the vegetable department. (laughs) Because you know what? I mean, there are two places in the store, actually. I'm kind of, I like the bakery and the coffee aisle. I mean, yeah, I can just sniff coffee all day. Anyway, (laughs) we're going to all come out of here coffee sniffers today, right? Um, But, you know, so with the things of the Spirit, when we begin to put our mind on what is healthy and what is good, if you're really preoccupied with that, it's all about the formation beginning in the mind because sin really starts in the mind. And Paul's saying, live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, I want to say that life in the Spirit is not about sin management. It's not about feeling better about myself today because I ate less donuts today than yesterday. Life in the Spirit is about a whole new way to live through the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And I like how one person says it. It's not my notes, so I might say it wrong, but it says, uh, as we continue to follow in the way of the Spirit, often our second nature can become first nature. Does that make sense? The more we habitually respond to life in the Spirit, um, the less likely we are to fall back into the habits of the old nature. But there is a conflict. I mean, we gotta be honest about that. If we're really desiring to follow after God, there is this pull going on inside of us in in two very different directions. Paul says this about the conflict in Galatians 5.17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Uh, When it comes to the spiritual journey, the struggle's real. Uh, Those opposing desires, uh, one's pulling you north and the other's pulling you south. And I know that if you sense that going on in you, it's so easy to be discouraged. I want you to be encouraged. That's a good sign. I mean, if you turn to follow Jesus and the battle becomes more intense with sin, that's a good thing. There should be a struggle until we learn what it is to surrender. Something is working. Not not, uh, something not working. In fact, if you sense the struggle within, you're in pretty good company. I think of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. He says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me. He concludes this way, what a wretched man I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the victory. The victory is in Jesus. So the struggle is real. It's part of living in an unredeemed world. We haven't reached perfection. We struggle. We'll continue that way until we see Jesus one day and we have new glorified bodies and we're fully redeemed and no longer in the struggle. But as we live in this world, it doesn't mean that we're hopeless or helpless. Listen to this encouragement, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. There's help for our need. There's spiritual power, divine power. It's a resident power source within the believer, not an electrical current. It's the actual person of the Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity, living out in our lives the very will of God. And notice, we're invited to participate in the divine nature. We're invited to cooperate with the work of the Spirit that lives within. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under law. If you are led by the Spirit, if you're participating and cooperating with and surrendering to and submitting to the Spirit, you are no longer under law. What does that mean, you're no longer under law? I don't know about you, uh, there are some roads in our area that are posted 35 miles an hour, and they're like about 35 miles too low, <laughs> I feel. That's just my personal opinion. Do you have some of those roads around here? You feel like I could be overtaken by a turtle, you know? So I used to live up uh, north of Arlington by Angel of the Winds. I won't ask for you to raise a hand when the last time you were there. Uh, <laughs> But um, there's a road off exit 210, and it's a long road getting to a T where you go one direction or the other. My home was to the right. Um, it's posted 35, and it's got some crazy hills on it. You know, it's easy to pick up speed on those hills. At least that's my excuse. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a real story. I was caught speeding. This was years ago, but I was caught speeding within the same month on that road by the same officer. Can you believe that? So I conclude this about myself, fast driver, slow learner. <laughs> Can you imagine though, what if 35 miles an hour was simply my instinct? That I just naturally went 35 miles an hour. There would be no need for the sign there would be no need for law enforcement. In fact, I probably wouldn't even need the speedometer. In a similar way, when we walk in the Spirit and are led by the Spirit, the law is no longer necessary because now it's being fulfilled in a whole new way. The law shows us our sin. It could never give us the power to obey the law. It's the empowerment of the Spirit who gives us spiritual desires, 
and spiritual responses. So if you're experiencing the struggle, the struggle that leads to surrender to God is actually a good thing. And just because you struggle doesn't mean you're failing in your spiritual journey. It reveals God's presence in you. That's a good thing. The struggle is proof that God is seeking control of your will and your desires so that it might lead you where he wants to take you. Now, Paul moves from conflict to talk about conduct. And this is where I'd like to throw in another word, contrast, because really he's contrasting one direction over the other. So he begins with the conduct, really, of the flesh or the earthly desires. Galatians 5, 19 to 20, he says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying these are things are obvious. This is not rocket science, he's saying to the believer. This is the fruit of the sinful nature. If this is one's lifestyle and one's practice, it's the natural production of living according to the sinful nature. Let me say something about this. I, I think it's easy, if you've been a Christ follower for years, it's easy to be judgmental toward the world's behavior. Yet maybe we forget where we were before we came to Christ. And you know, you have to say the world is living honestly according to their sinful nature, their instincts. And uh, their greatest need really isn't just to change their behavior. Their greatest need is Jesus. Their greatest need is a transformed heart, really. That's the beginning point. I don't know I, if you're into social media, every now and then I see something posted on social media where, you know, bring back the Ten Commandments. Great. Good. Let's be more moral people. Let's, let's follow some rules in this country. Good. But I always think to myself, that's not the starting point. We need transformation. We need Jesus. That's our greatest need is Jesus. He transforms the heart. He changes us from the heart and then begins to transform our lives. Paul goes on to talk about the produce or the harvest of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The word uh, fruit, it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. It's uh, uh, spoken in its singular form. It's been suggested these are all expressions of God's love in us by His Spirit. Makes some sense to me, knowing that the very heart of God's nature is love, and He's not just loving, but the very essence of love itself. The fruit of this love will be a love that is joyful, a love that is at peace, a love that is patient when tested, a love that gives beneficially and willing and sacrificially, a love that's steadfast and committed and loyal, a love that's submissive to the will of God and unselfish in view of the needs of others. 
A love that knows and practices restraint. I've heard people um, often say, I just need to be a little more patient or a little more kind, as if next time I need to try a little bit harder. Fact is, we don't produce these things. It's the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit living within us. Living out, the Spirit living out the life of Jesus in us. I always think it's funny when people pray for patience. I don't pray for patience. Because you know what's going to happen? God's going to give you circumstances that's going <laughs> to test your patience. Yeah. <laughs> you want to learn the hard way? <laughs> oh, okay, enough said there. That's, that's a whole sermon in itself. <laughs> Paul says this as he's uh, ministering uh, and really praying for the Galatian believers, he says in Galatians 4.19, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He so much desires to see the work of the Spirit being displayed in the life of these believers. As he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he, he adds this tagline after he gets done talking about all the different manifestations and the fruit of the Spirit in life. He goes, against such things there is no law. What does he mean by that? Against such things there is no law. You know, the law was given to restrain behavior. What he's really saying is when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, there is no restraint needed. There's unlimited potential when the Spirit's at work in your life. I mean, when's the last time you heard a believer say of another believer, man, that guy's got way too much love. <laughs> He's got way too much patience, and man, he better put a cap on it. He's way too joyful. <laughs> no, you're not going to hear that. We have unlimited potential and a lifetime of God's work in us to produce these things more and more. That's a lifetime of growth and maturity and unlimited potential. And I have to say, what finally really kind of clicked for me, uh, even when I think back to 1981, when I finally surrendered to Jesus, my father explained to me, and I, I didn't fully understand it at the time, but he explained to me that God didn't want to just bring me to Jesus, and that was the final, you know, you cross the line, good, you're going to heaven. No, he wanted to now work in me by His Spirit throughout the rest of my life. I didn't understand what all of that meant then, but there was something in that that I really appreciated and began to appreciate even more as I grew in the Christian life is the fact that God is with me every single day. And when you become a child of God, He, he takes personal responsibility for your growth and your maturing and he is committed to you. And he shared a God that would be committed to me for the rest of my life. And that was so cool. I didn't get that uh, as a child at all. I thought it was just all about salvation and good. Now I'm going to heaven. But there's more. There's more. So how does it become possible in my life? I think there's a key in verse 24, Galatians 5:24, the cross. It says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature 
with its, its passions and desires. Christ's victory on the cross broke the power of the enemy and the power of sin. And Paul says in Romans chapter 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Sin is not dead, but we can be dead towards sin through the power of the Spirit. We don't have to respond to it. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So we are to recognize that the power of sin has been broken. The victory of Jesus is our victory as well. And we can be dead towards sin. I, I think uh, I came across a story written by Stuart Briscoe, a uh, pastor and author. And uh, I think it explains this very well. And this comes out of his book titled Spiritual Stamina. He says this, one of the happiest days of my life took place about 40 years ago. And I can still visualize it. I was standing on parade in Portsmouth, Hampshire, England in my Royal Marine uniform. The officer came on parade and made an announcement which said, in effect, David Stewart Briscoe, RM128227, you are now temporarily dismissed from the Majesty's Royal Marines. And you may, if you wish, seek civilian employment, but if you desire to sign on for another seven years, we'd be happy to entertain you. I desired very much not to sign on an additional seven years. I was free. Now, there was a very nice gentleman in the barracks called the Regimental Sergeant Major. Immaculate uniform, big voice, and a big mouth. He loved to come right behind us while we were on parade, standing stiff as ramrods, staring straight ahead. He'd open his cavernous mouth one inch behind our ears and shout at the top of his voice, Am I hurting you? We had to answer, No, Sergeant Major. I can't hear you. No, Sergeant Major. You're not moving your head, are you? No, Sergeant Major. Nice man. <laughs> we, we really enjoyed him. Friendly, warm, personable, interested in our well-being. Don't you believe it? When we saw him coming, our backs would spring up straight. We'd swing our arms up to the shoulders, thumbs on top, heels dug in. Remember, these are veterans I'm talking about, not recruits. That's what you did when the sergeant major showed up. The day I was released, I saw the sergeant major walking toward me. My head sprang up. My back straightened. I began to march. My arm went up to salute. And a little voice inside said, what are you doing? You died to him. I said, what? You died to him. But, but he's not dead. That's right. And you're not dead either. Well, if he's not dead and I'm not dead, how could I have died to him? Simple. You have no further obligation to him, and he has no further authority over you. You don't have to obey him anymore. So if you would like, you can go on and look silly, marching around like that, swinging your arm up to salute him. You'll look funny, but go ahead if you want to. But answer me this one question first. Why would you want to go on continuing in subjection to that to which you had died? And I thought, I really don't want to. 
So a very funny thing happened. My back curled ever so slightly. My hands found their way deliciously into their pockets. <laughs> they hadn't been there for two years, for long years. I scuffed my heels and I walked past my tormentor and I whistled. His face went red, then turned purple, but he couldn't do a thing. Paul concludes with these words, Galatians 5.25, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Living out a crucified life is now the way to travel. It's a lifetime journey. And it's just the beginning. It's just the starting point of, of a journey that God wants to take you as He continues to transform your life. And it's the process of making us more like Jesus. I love the, uh, the definition for spiritual formation that I found in Dallas Willard's book, Revolution of Character. He says this, it's the Holy Spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. The Holy Spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. Or in the words of a contemporary Christian song that's playing right now, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. We've been set free to live a new way by the power of the Spirit. Yes, there's conflict, expect it. How we live will be revealed in our contact, conduct and there is a contrast between the old nature and the Spirit. It will require, if we're going to live in victory, it will require learning to live as dead toward sin and alive to God. There's a sign on the Alaskan Highway it says this, choose your ruts carefully, you will be in them for the next hundred miles. <laughs> what rut are you traveling in today? Is it the way of the Spirit? Or is it something else? Are you trying to live by your own effort? If so, it's going to continue to be a very frustrating and defeating way to travel. The good news is you don't have to stay there. There's a better way to travel, and it really comes through surrender. Surrendering yourself as a living sacrifice, allowing the Spirit to supernaturally live out the life of Jesus, being renewed daily by the power of God's Word as we learn what it is to live life in the Spirit. Love to pray for us as we uh, ask God to help us as we uh, seek to do His will. Lord, thank you so much for each one here today and for those online. Lord, um, I pray that you continue to stir our hearts with your truth. And Lord, that you would take your truth to places that we need. Lord, I pray that even what we heard today would be things that we needed to hear as we continue to press on and follow after you. And Lord, I do pray that you would teach us what it is to live by your spirit. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would empower us by your spirit to live for you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.